Hey everybody, welcome back to the Practitioner's Podcast, where we're applying Jesus-style disciple-making to everyday life. This episode and all of our episodes are powered by Navigators Church Ministries, which help us church, helps churches live out the Great Commission every single day. For more information or to get connected, go to navigatorschurchministries.org. Justin, why don't you tell us who this episode is perfect for? Why are you giggling like that? Well, I just thought it was funny that you tripped over the intro and then I was waiting to see if you were going to stop it. And then I think you kind of saw that I was waiting, but then you kept going. And then, so, yeah, then it was funny. We're here now. We are here now. So, tell everybody who this episode is perfect for. Tony, this episode is perfect for anyone who wants to see movement in their church or their life. Okay, so Mm. to kind of set up what we're talking about here... If you have been paying attention at all, uh, you've seen a couple different things happening in the church and the Christian world. One thing is that since COVID, things have been rocky, right? There's been ups, there's been downs. Uh, churches are still trying to recover. Many of them are uh, recover to the, the place where they were before COVID in terms of attendance and stuff like that. But there's also a lot of talk about movements, Right. And today we're going to use the word movement as kind of synonymous with revival. And so one of the things that uh, missiologists and others are seeing around the world is that there's a couple places where movements are happening. Kind of a sweeping of the spirit where lots of people are coming to faith in an area uh, over a short period of time. And not only are they coming to faith, there's generations of people coming to faith as people are disciple-making and in the Word and all that. And so a lot of people are talking about, how do we have a movement or a revival here in America, and what's keeping us from doing it? And so today we're going to talk about the key to a movement, because one of the things that I see over and over and over again is people saying, you know, there's just a couple things we need to start doing that will lead us to have a movement. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this, but I want to set up our conversation uh, a little bit, at least, around a verse that I found really uh, poignant, really applicable to this conversation, but also this cultural moment. And it is Hosea 13, 6. Okay, so Hosea is one of the minor prophets. Chapter 13, verse 6 of Hosea says, When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. And so what Hosea is talking about here is, that as people get what they need and get satisfied, um, they tend to forget God. They become proud. We don't need him anymore. We don't need what we got, what we need. So God, we're going to do our own thing. And they forget and move away from God. And we're talking about in our culture, there's a lot of that happening, right? People have moved away from the church, moved away from God. Now, have they gotten what they really need? That's a different discussion altogether. But Tony, that's kind of where we're, that's the realm we're in today in this episode. What's the key to a movement? How do we, how do we move from this place where we are to a place that um, sees a lot of people coming to faith, that sees a movement of the Spirit of God in this place where we live? Well, I, I think you gave the answer in your question, right? And one of the things that we realize is that movements take us from one place to another. And so 
what we're trying to chase as the church. And when I talk to pastors, I'm sure when you talk to pastors, Justin, you see the same thing. We're all chasing different results. So, hey, I want a movement so that I can chase a different result. I want a movement or a revival or in some circles I hear the term awakening, you know, because I want a different result. I'm unhappy with the result I currently have leading a congregation or being a lay leader in the church, and I want something that looks different. So here's the, the, the tension around a lot of what we see is that we have this kind of underlying belief that the movement is actually ours, Hmm. that the movement is actually ours. When the reality is, when we look at the scripture in Hosea, it's saying um, that we're in control, right? Hosea 13, six, you you read it. It says, when they were satisfied, they became proud and they forgot me. Meaning there's there's a theme in this scripture that the people of God can do the movement without God. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think totally. And one of the things that that you just said, movements move us from one thing to another. And that's really, as as we look at where we're at, a lot of people are hungry for that, right? We feel like we're in this transition period in the church between what's digital, what's modern, what's in the past, what's traditional, what's contemporary, all that. And people are looking for, well, what is the next thing? Or what is the thing that 20 years from now, what's church going to look like? What's practicing of our faith going to look like? What is disciple making going to look like? And it's that idea that people are thinking with their heads and trying to figure out, all right, let's have a movement that's going to move us from where we are, this period of tension, this period of kind of being in the in-between. What's going to move us from here to that next, right? That's what we want. That's what we're hungry for. And as I hear people talking about it, I hear two things, Tony. And the two things that I hear people saying over and over and over again from different backgrounds is that what we need to do is we need to pray and fast. And if we will get back to praying and fasting, then we will see a movement. And and now let's be clear, everybody who's listening, who's now like, saying, well, Justin or, and Tony, are you guys saying that we shouldn't prayer and have prayer and fasting? We're not saying that at all. No. <laughs> prayer, prayer and fasting are important tools um, as a part of God's movement. But the deal is, is that you're not going to program your way to a move of God, right? You're not mm-hmm. going to program your way to God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we begin to think about movements, the first thing we need to know that prayer and fasting are important tools but it's still God's movement. You know, if God wants to move in your church, he doesn't need you to pray and fast. He'll just move if he wants to move. (laughs) That's right. Now, historically, there's historical evidence to suggest that a posture of dependence on the Lord through the tools of prayer and fasting will lead to a movement of God that we cannot control, Mm -hmm. which is sounds like what a lot of us are chasing. Right, that's what a lot of churches are chasing. That's the next great awakening, right? Uh, the revival movements, right? That we're chasing those things. But but here's something really important. Okay, prayer and fasting, uh, a program is not going to uh, to automatically equal what you're searching. What will is surrender. Letting God be God and us giving up 
control of the movement. Yeah, Tony. So what I hear you saying is that if we approach prayer and fasting as the tools that are, that we can leverage before God to get him to do what we want, that is not what's going to lead to what we want, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It is not, it doesn't work like that, right? God isn't sitting in heaven waiting and, and have a scorecard that he's checking off and saying, well, when we get this amount of prayer and fasting, well, then I'll have to do something, right? That he's the active one. He's the one who is yeah. uh, moving people to even get to that place of prayer and fasting. But what I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, as we're talking about movements, as we're talking about revival, we have to be real careful with our language so that so that the people that are listening aren't thinking all we need to do is prayer and fast and then going out and telling their people we need to pray and fast when really the difference is what you just said, right? It's not necessarily the prayer and fasting. The prayer and fasting comes out of what is what needs to be a reality in us that mm. then moves us to prayer and fasting, right? And so they're almost like preconditions that need to exist to get us to that place of prayer and fasting, that sense of surrender, that sense of God's holiness contrasted with the depth of our sin that moves us to a place that says, man, I I can only depend on God. And it drives us as we look at the world and we look at the state of our church or our own heart or um, you know our ministry, any of these things, as we look at the state of those and we look at scripture and what God wants from us and of us and what he's called us to do in the world, this all mix should mix in our heart. And when the spirit moves in our heart to mix in such a way that we want to get down on our knees and surrender and pray and fast, not just one time, but as a habit, Right. That's the stuff of a movement, right? And that's what I think you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, th- there are a couple of instances in Scripture that are worth exploring when we think about movements. So I'm, I'm going to pull out two, and I'm sure there's lots more, and you guys can think about this as you look at the Scripture. But w- the first movement that I see in the Gospels is when Jesus began to call the first disciples. And he comes out of the wilderness— He comes out of the wilderness tested and completely and utterly dependent on God, on the father, right? So he's, he's dependent on the father and he comes out and what's the very first message he begins to preach. He says, repent and believe, right? What's repentance? Repentance is turning away from sin and believing in the goodness and faithfulness and holiness that God desires to give us in the intimacy when we surrender our sin and our flesh-like tendencies to him. Okay, so that's how that movement of the disciples really began. It began, the Lord Jesus surrenders, God the Father meets him in that surrender, and he begins to, to preach the message, repent and believe. The second one comes from the book of Acts, right? Jesus gets ascended into heaven, and the last message that he gives them that we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, uh, this. obviously this is Luke writing, in my former book, Theolopius, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And this is, this is what Luke writes, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, right? And the instructions are what? For John baptized with water, but in, a, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, 
but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, so what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is saying to the disciples is just wait here, wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. You don't have to do anything. The Holy Spirit's going to show up, right? So then they gathered around him and asked, this is verse six, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And again, so this is people just trying to be people. He says, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so that they wait, they wait and they just surrender the outcome. It's not about my timeline. It's not about your timeline. It's about the Lord's timeline. And we don't get to control that. Yeah, that is so good. Another uh, passage that kind of I forgot to mention earlier. So when we talk about God not needing us, if you look at Second Chronicles, at the end of the book, chapter 36, 22 through the end, um, God uses a heathen king, mm. Cyrus of Persia, to to spark a revival <clears throat> in his people. And so, you know, it is God is the causing agent of revival. We are the responders, even to the point of, you know, when when he causes us to begin to cry out for revival. That's him in us moving, right? His spirit. And we need to surrender, like you're saying. Um, Tony, one other, one thing I want to share, and this is a, I remembered this. I don't know where I heard this first, but uh, this week I went and Googled it to see if I could track down the, the origin of it. And it was probably when I was a youth, I heard somebody say, Justin, if you want revival, you can have it. I was like, all right, well, you know, what do I do? Okay. <laughs> You go home, get a piece of chalk, and draw a circle around yourself. Get on your knees and ask God to revive everybody inside the circle, and don't leave that circle until it happens. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. I mean, that was powerful then, so powerful I remembered it, you know, so many years later. I learned it this week. It was originally from an evangelist, British evangelist named Gypsy Smith that began to talk about that uh, in the early 1900s. But that is a great picture for me of our responsibility, right? That if we want revival collectively, we need to put the mirror up to ourselves, mm. And we need to say, okay, if we want something to change in our society, in our culture, anywhere, then we need to take responsibility for how we are surrendered to what degree we are pursuing him because we're responsible. We need to get desperate for revival. Yeah, We need to repent. We need to have that surrender and cry out for more of him to take over more of us because that's really, you know, it's when we have enough circles of chalk in America and we start to begin to take that responsibility that something might happen, right? But if we're not, if we're not to that place, it's going to be real hard for us to to expect that there's going to be a movement here in America. I, I love that story. And I think you and I have talked about that before in our own meeting times, this idea about this personal revival. I, I think one other thing that needs to be talked about when we think about movements and revival and the Great Awakening, um, and this is for everyone who's listening we don't get to decide what it looks like on the other side. 
of the mm. movement. Yeah. Right. And so I, I know a lot of church leaders who are chasing revival and movements to revive and move their personal church. But they, yeah. that may not be what God desires. Right. We don't know. <laughs> We're not God. <laughs> right. Like, and, and yeah. that's the thing. Right. So when God moves in my life, it's not necessarily the calling I want, but but I need to trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, mm-hmm. lean not on my own understanding so that he can make my path straight. And so this whole process of movement and revival, um, as we enter into those tools of prayer and fasting, we have to know that it's not for outcomes that we can define or even really know. Uh, the Lord may yeah. want to completely tear down the infrastructure of the church where you currently serve. And guess what? If the Lord wants to do that and you're praying for a movement and you're dependent on the Lord, that's what the Lord's going to do. Yeah. Right. And and so I I think we have to be careful that we don't turn dependence on the Lord um, or this idea of dependence on the Lord, revival or movement. And so what happened when I was growing up, which is the old attractional church model, you know, if you build Mm. it, they will come, right? Yeah. If you give people this flary kind of like a, a attractional Jesus. Hey, if you just come and pray and fast, Jesus will come and it'll be great. But you have to do it in our building on Sunday morning at nine or 1030. That's just not how God works, yeah. right? This is about building the kingdom of God, not the castle of Tony or Justin. Yeah, no, that's a good word. I think too, the other thing we need to bring it back to is personal disciple making, right? So if we hunger for a movement culturally, then we need to be communicating with those that we're discipling about surrender, dependence upon God, that a belief or a faith that God is going to move, that he is an active God, that we can trust him, that we can call out to him. And that makes a difference. And it doesn't make a difference, like we've been saying, not in a leveraged sort of way, but it makes a difference in the way of, you know, God's eyes range throughout the land to see and to look in on the hearts of his people. And when he sees the heart of his people asking and pleading for things, it makes a difference. And it's yeah. not, a, we can't quantify that necessarily, but we know it does. And so for me, I think that's a, a really important thing that as we are working with those that we're discipling, that we're communicating about the activeness of God. And the way the things that are on her, our hearts impact what happens in the world. And we want to get on our hearts what's on his heart. Well, friends, I, we hope today's conversation was thought-provoking. It's, it's a little different than what we normally do. This isn't a tool-based episode, but it is one that if you take it seriously, it just might change your life or at least your relationship with the Lord. So the takeaway for today, um, the story. Seeing God's movement starts with our surrender, right? Seeing God's movement starts with our surrender. And the action step, if you're brave enough, this is a big one. Go home, draw a circle around yourself, get on your knees, and don't leave until he answers. And, uh, and we'll be praying for you. Actually, if, if you have some feedback on this episode, uh, maybe you, you go home and you try this action step. Justin and I would love to, to hear from you. All the ways to get in touch with us are in the show notes. We're so thankful for you guys. If you would, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating or review and uh, share this episode. Maybe with somebody who you know in church leadership who's trying to um, figure out what's next. 
This might be a perfect episode for somebody like that. As always, guys, we're thankful for you, and we look forward to connecting with you guys real soon.